Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. All right, we're beginning a new study in the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're looking at uh, this. It was written by Solomon, and uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. But I'm just going to read the first three verses as kind of an introduction to this book of Ecclesiastes. So we're looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Allow me to read this passage. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does man have in all of his work which he does under the sun? Now we look at this and we see all this word vanity. We, a lot of people think about vanity as being you know, proud of your looks and things like that. But that's really not the way that this word is being meant. And we'll get into a greater definition of that in just a little while. But the message is what happens to godly people when they turn their back on God. And it happens all the time. We are not immune just because we're children of God, just because we're Christians, does not mean that we're always going to be living according to the will of God. And so we know that Solomon was given a great gift of God. He's given him wisdom or understanding of his people so he could, he could lead them well. And, but we look and we see that uh, God used him to accomplish many wonderful things, but Solomon kind of let it go to his head. Look at how powerful and wise I am. And he kind of went off on his own and said, let me see what I can accomplish. Well, God allowed him to accomplish some great things, but it wasn't all for God's glory. And so he's credited with writing the book of Proverbs as well as the book of the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. My Bible says Song of Psalms. I know, I think the King James or some others may say Song of Solomon. Either way, it's, it's written by Solomon. And uh, so these are all wisdom books. But Proverbs was obviously written in his earlier days where he is kind of sharing the wisdom that God has given him. Uh, to, to basically his son, but also to all people because it's written, inspired of God for all of us to read. So the book of Proverbs is a, really a book of wisdom. And it's obviously from his earlier years where he was serving the Lord faithfully. And then we have the Song of Psalms, which is really a, a story about the relationship of marriage. And so that was obviously in his earlier years as well. Then we come to Ecclesiastes, and it becomes pretty obvious that this is pretty much in his latter years. And he's already gone astray. He's already done things that were not of God. And now he's looking back and comparing the life that he had lived in obedience to God to the life that he was currently living or recently living, that he was living outside of God's will. Now... You may say, well, this is just a book of gloom and doom of things that I've done wrong. But in the end, he gives a conclusion. He even says it's the conclusion. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. 
For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, uh, whether it is good or evil. So we need to just simply fear God and obey God. That's that's pretty simple rule to live by. Fear God. Now, that doesn't mean that you tremble. It means that you have a high respect of God, that you lift him up as your creator, that he is the one who we will one day stand before in judgment. And that we, because we are his children, we are called to be obedient to his will. How do you become obedient to his will? Well, Jesus said, pretty simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the entire commandments all rolled into a simple phrase. So Solomon was blessed with wisdom from God. Then he squandered that wisdom in his own attempt to find fulfillment in life. So by doing so, he actually lost the joy that God wanted him to have. So basically, if you, if you find out what Ecclesiastes is really talking about, he's asking from a humanistic viewpoint, is life worth living? Is life worth living? Well, in our day to day, we have a lot of suicide hotlines and things of this nature. So it's obviously a problem that a lot of people are coming to the uh, conclusion that life is not worth living. And a lot of this uh, may have uh, psychological or even psychiatric uh, causes. But for many people, they're, they're just going through life and they cannot find any peace, any joy in life. And they just ask themselves, why am I living if I can't find anything worth living? And so we look at this question and the answer is simple. They're not living a surrendered life to the Lord. They don't have the Holy Spirit living within them. They're not living with purpose for the Lord. And so he is the only one that's going to give us a reason to live. John sums it up like this in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So if we're going to find joy in life, it comes from God, it comes through Jesus. He is the one who, who has come so that we might have life, life here on earth more abundantly and also eternal life with him. So throughout this uh, book, you see a couple of phrases over and over. Uh, just, just read one of them uh, in the very second verse, five different times, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Uh, that word vanity means emptiness, futility, uh, kind of like a vapor that vanishes, that's just no longer there. It leaves nothing behind of worth. And then you'll also see, like in verse 3, uh, what advantage does man have in all of his works, which he does under the sun? Now that phrase, under the sun, basically means lived according to man's wisdom, according to man's desires. So it's the humanistic way of living, uh, refers to living life without God, without God being the, the sole means. So in the end, Solomon will show that life is not in vain, that there is a reason worth living, and that is to live, as we shared here, in fear of God and in keeping his commandments. So if you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, you're not going to find Solomon's name. So how do we know that Solomon wrote it? Well, look at the first verse. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Well, there's only one son of David that was king in Jerusalem. That was Solomon. If you go back to Bathsheba, 
We know the story of David and Bathsheba. Well, David already had other wives. He already had other sons. Usually the first son is the one who would inherit the throne. But Bathsheba did a lot behind the scenes and uh, did a lot of finagling and encouraged David to say at his death that Solomon would reign in his place. And so Solomon takes the place of David on his throne. So he is the son of David and he is king of Jerusalem. Now at that time they had the United Kingdom. All the 12 tribes are under one king. After Solomon, the kingdoms divide. You have the nine and a half, ten and a half tribes of, of Israel who are in the north, and then you have the two and a half tribes uh, in, in Jerusalem, or the, the part of Judah. And so it is during David's reign, well, Saul's reign, David's reign, and Solomon's reign that you have a united kingdom. So he claims to have great wealth throughout the book of Ecclesiastes as also great wisdom. We know that Solomon was incredibly wealthy, and we also know that God himself was the one who gave him wisdom. If you want to, you could go back to 1 Kings and find the passage where Saul uh, basically had a vision from God as he became king. God said to him, whatever you ask, I will give it to you. And Solomon was very humble at that time of his life. He could have asked for anything. He could have asked for all the wealth of the world, great power. But he simply asked, I ask for understanding of how to lead your people. That's all he asked for. That understanding is, we, we translate it wisdom. I'm asking for wisdom to know how to lead your people, God. And so God was pleased with that answer. Not only did he give him that wisdom or understanding, but he also gave him great wealth and power to boot. And so 12 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, he refers to himself as king. So uh, we have absolutely no reason not to believe that it is Solomon. Uh, Solomon began his reign as a humble servant to the Lord, seeking God's wisdom and guidance. And as he grew, his heart turned away. Well, why did his heart turn away if he was such a godly man? Well, people started telling him, Solomon, you are building a great kingdom. The kingdom of, of Israel was growing by leaps and bounds. He was making pacts with different countries, basically saying, if you will become, you know, if you will let us or me rule over you, then we will have these pacts and we will have peace with one another. Well, one of the greatest ways to make a pact of peace with a neighboring nation was to marry somebody high up in their uh, reign. And so basically the king of another nation would give his daughter to Solomon as a wife. Well, Solomon ended up with a whole bunch of them. I mean a lot of them. Like 300 wives and 1,000 concubines. I mean, it... And because he's trying to keep peace, he begins sponsoring the gods, the foreign gods that these wives brought with them and actually started worshiping these foreign gods. Now he still worshiped the Lord God, but he was dualistic or multilistic in basically worshiping other gods because his wives worshiped these gods. 
So to keep the peace with all the different nations, he began supporting all the different gods and the worship of them. And so that's really where Solomon, his life started going downhill fast. Uh, so he began his reign humble, but then he began turning his heart away as he uh, began having all these wives with the foreign lands, gaining more political purpose. So while many of the actions that we see Solomon doing had tremendous uh, positive effects, not all of them were of God's will. We do know that King David had already left a large reserve of wealth and treasures because God would not let David build the temple because he was a man of war. Remember that? He brought bloodshed. And so Saul was allowed to build the temple and it was a glorious temple. And so he did that to the Lord. And so that was a good thing. But all the expansion was not necessarily a godly thing. And definitely not all the wives and concubines were godly because uh, the word of God back in Deuteronomy says, you know, have one wife. So we see that Solomon started letting his power and his, his esteem go to his head. And he was doing things that were not of God's will. So now it seems that uh, Solomon is writing this book close to the end of his life. And he's reflecting back on his life experiences. I think he's comparing his earlier years where he truly found joy in serving the Lord and that God had blessed him beyond measure. And then he started comparing his life lived under the sun by man's guidance, by his own will. And one other thing, uh, notice in verse 1, it says, The words of the preacher. Now, the word preacher here basically means one who commands an audience for discussion. So one who's basically drawing people together to share with them something. Well, that's basically what we do on a Sunday morning. I'm the preacher, I draw people together so that they can hear the word of God. Well, Solomon is basically become the preacher to say, here's what to do and here's what not to do. I'm gonna share uh, to this audience my heart because I know what I've done right and I know what I've done wrong. So he's sharing the pros and cons of his life. Now the purpose or the aim of this book it's basically repeated throughout the, the word. Uh, the best understanding of the aim of, of Ecclesiastes is the need to, to understand its recurring themes. Now, thank goodness I have uh, uh, something where I can actually plug in a word or something like that, and it will show me how many times it's used in that book. Well, in this book of Ecclesiastes, the word vanity is used 38 times. In 12 chapters. So, I mean, just in verse 2, it's used five times. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, all is worthless, is basically what he's saying. So, this word vanity means emptiness, futility. It's like a vapor that just disappears with nothing left behind to account for it. And so, it means that when all is said and done, there's no, nothing to show as a result. Uh, I watch some of these little things, you know, people trying to do it yourself. And like a guy has the, the trap underneath the sink open and he's catching water. He catches water in a bucket. Then he turns around and throws it up into the sink. What's going to happen? It's just going to come right back out the, the hole. Well, that's vanity. That's doing something with no end result. Well, that's kind of what 
Solomon's life was like. He, was, he already had everything he needed. Then he squandered it and wasted it. So the key word, the key word in all of Ecclesiastes is vanity. But you're also going to see this phrase, under the sun. And it's found 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. And it finds what Saul sees as how he looked at life as he lived it from human perspective. Human perspective. Under the sun basically means here on earth. I've been living by the earthly standards, by the way that mankind lives. And we talk sometimes about worldviews. A Christian worldview is a worldview that focuses on God and Jesus as our Savior. And it's a surrendered life unto the Lord. And so we live with a purpose for heavenly things. That which is above the sun or under the heavens. And that's another term that we'll see a few times, not as often, but under the heaven, which defines that which is lived in obedience to God. But living under the sun is simply living uh, from a human perspective, a human uh, worldview. So according uh, to this, uh, he's showing his audience how futile life is being lived according to the ways of man instead of the ways of God. Profit. You wouldn't think uh, that there's much profit in this book, but he mentions the word profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, not, not, not like a foreseer type prophet, not like an Old Testament prophet, but a prophet, a gain from, from something. So the word profit is found 10 times and it actually describes the times that uh, Solomon is focusing on the positive things that he saw in life. The things that were excellent, that were a positive gain, that were advantageous to life. Uh, basically the opposite of vanity. And then we see the word labor. And he uses it 23 times in this book. But he uses it in a very negative time, negative way. Basically, he uses it to point to the toil of doing work to the point of exhaustion and then having little or nothing to show for it. Like the example I just shared. You know, working hard at the end of the day you don't have anything to show for it. And so basically the labor uh, that Solomon's talking about is all the things he had done and accomplished, but they were not worth anything to him because they were not done for the Lord. They were done for mankind, for himself even. And so uh, it's basically looking at life being lived outside of the obedience of the Lord uh, where there's always a reward. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And so if we toil in the Lord for him in obedience, then you know, Paul's saying very clearly, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. But, but uh, Solomon is saying 23 different times, my labor is in vain. It's worthless. Yeah, maybe something good in society happened, but as unto the Lord, it was worthless. Then he uses the word man. Man under the sun, which is that term under the sun as well. The word man is actually the word Adam. Adam means man. And so it's used 49 times as he looks at man under the sun. And so, again, that's that focus that Solomon has on living according to the ways of man, man under the sun. Evil, 
it's not always uh, used as evil, but there's 31 times that evil in some form or another is found, uh, like mischievous, uh, grievous, adversity, wickedness, misery. You find that quite often in this book. Uh, obviously opposed to that which is good. That, uh, so we look and we see, again, this, this pros and cons that, that uh, Solomon is com continually weighing. He looks at his life when he was living according to the Lord and saw the good, saw the worth out of it. Then he looks at his life lived under the sun according to man and he sees the evil in it. So there again, he is talking about life lived under the sun. Then he talks about joy 17 times. You would think that this book is so pessimistic and cynical that uh, you wouldn't find the word joy there. But Solomon knows what joy is. He had experienced joy in his life, and he's still longing to return to that joy in his life. So he knows that he received the greatest joy in his life as a gift from God. When he asked for wisdom or understanding for the people, God gave him multitudes of other blessings. He not only gave him that wisdom, but he also gave him wealth and power and joy. He actually had joy in serving the Lord, being obedient to the Lord. And so to find this joy, Solomon, uh, his underlying message is, go back to the end, to the conclusion, fear God and keep his commandments and you'll find joy. Because God will give you joy when you're obedient. And then the word wisdom or understanding is found 32 times. Ecclesiastes is part of the books of wisdom. The books of wisdom are all in order. Job, Song, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. Those are the books of wisdom. Uh, Job is probably the oldest book chronological uh, in our Bible. And we know the wisdom there is... The question that it answers is, you know, if something bad happens to me, is it because of my sin? Or do bad things happen to good people? Well, he had some friends, you know, and they were thinking the same way we do sometimes. Job, you must have done something bad for all these bad things to happen to you. And so Job was countering those with his faith in the Lord. But it came down that Job had a little bit of a pride issue that he had to swallow at the end and say, yes, Lord, I am a sinner. But then God took his humility and restored all that had been taken away from him. And then we have uh, the book of Psalms. Again, many wise sayings all throughout the book of Psalms. Many different authors throughout the book of Psalms, but there is definitely a book of wisdom. Proverbs, again, uh, Solomon writing these wonderful uh, Things, adages that help us to say, okay, this is how we are to live unto, unto the Lord. Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, again, that beautiful picture of marriage, the intimacy of marriage, and now Ecclesiastes, this book of wisdom. And it is a book of wisdom. It's, it's telling us, okay, if God gave me wisdom, then I need to be wise. And now at the end of my life or close to the, closer to the end of my life, I need to look back and see what was going on here where I found joy and what was going on here where there was an absence of joy. And now he's finding the answers to that and he's sharing this wisdom with us. Then the word God in one form or another is found 40 different times. 
There's two main uh, words for God, especially in the Old Testament. One is Elohim, which means God Almighty, the glorious God, the God of creation, the God of all sovereign power. And then the other is Jehovah God, which is the God of covenant. The Jewish people basically call God Jehovah God because he was the God of the covenant that he had made with Israel. But uh, Solomon uses the word Elohim because he, he knows the awesome power of this God. He knows him more than just the covenant uh, that Israel had with him. He saw him as the creator God, the one who was sovereign over all things. So we look at this, and uh, again, this is more just an introduction to the book of Ecclesiastes. We need to understand these terms and why they're there and why they're repeated so often. So there's one other term, and we're going to see it from time to time. I think it's only about four or five times. Chasing the wind, or chasing after the wind, or striving after the wind. Uh, I use the New American Standard version, and mine says striving after the wind. Uh, no other translations use chasing after the wind. Uh, have you ever tried to chase the wind? Can you catch it? If you caught it, what would you, how, how could you catch it? You know, it, it's futile, in other words. There's folly in it. There's nothing that you could actually do. So are we chasing after the wind? Are we chasing after something that's unattainable, that we are never going to get what we think that we're wanting, which is what Solomon is basically saying, is I chased after the wind. I chased after something that was, wasn't even there. I was chasing after a man-made joy that I could never obtain. And so that's really the question. Are we chasing after the wind? Or are we following after God? See, if we follow after God, then we're going to find that there is truly a reward. Mark chapter 8, verses, uh, verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? See, Solomon had been chasing after the profit of the world, thinking this is making me uh, seen on the world stage. I'm a powerful man. I'm a wealthy man. I'm a wise man. Uh, even uh, the Queen of Sheba came to him and you know, asked for his wisdom and went away just astounded at how smart he was. And there's many examples of the wisdom of Solomon. And so he was chasing after the wind about what can I make of myself. Now, do we see that today even among Christians? Well, there are many Christians who are trying to climb that corporate ladder, see how big of a job, how powerful of a position in society they can get, how much clout that they can have over other people. Well, you might as well just stick Solomon's name on them. Nothing wrong with having a good job, but it's how we treat other people. Many people get those positions by stepping on others and, and, and ridiculing others and doing evil towards others to try to push them out of the way. I shared, you know, this past Sunday, you know, we had, you know, one person who's, who's got this, you know, power. That was Paul. He had all the power uh, of, of apostleship. And he's trying to deal with Philemon, who was a wealthy man who had you know, the power of esteem in that little city of Colossae. And the question is, how do you get to that position? Well, the picture was that Philemon was actually a kind man. He actually ministered when there was a need. And so... But basically what we're seeing with Solomon is that there came a time in his life where he just forsook the things of God and followed after the things under the sun, the ways of man. 
And so he was no longer receiving the joy and the, and the pleasure of serving the Lord. Now he was miserable, vanity, under the sun, chasing after the wind. So he really came to the point where he saw that his life had become empty. And he says, why am I so miserable? And he did a heart check. He started examining his life and he came up to the understanding the reason why is because I've abandoned God. He's never abandoned me, but I have abandoned him. I've left God. And so that's why he's telling us again, go back to the conclusion. When all has been heard, fear God, keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. So we all need to understand that we need to live as unto the Lord. So we need to live our lives not in the futility and the vanity of living under the sun by man's means, by man's goals, but to live in obedience to the Lord with a relationship with Him as Savior. All right, well, let's have our time of prayer then. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for the truth of Your Word. And Lord, for men like Solomon who came to the point in their life where they admitted, I'm not living a right life. And by Him sharing the futility of how he was living helps us to realize that we too can struggle with that same thing in life. Helps us to realize that we too need to, to take examination of our own hearts and minds to see if we're living according to your word and your will, living in obedience and fear of you, or if we're living according to our own will. So Lord, may this study be an eye-opener for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.